0: Good morning, baseball fans. There are games on your television, on your computer. Yeah, there's spring games, but there are games, 16 of them today, including the first Cubs game right here on the flagship at one fifty-five p.m. This hour is brought to you by Pontiac RV. I'm Matt Spiegel. He's Bruce Levine out in Arizona. What's going on, Bruce?
2: Good morning, Matt. Yeah, it's uh, what we've been looking for since uh, the Cubs went out, what was it, October 2nd in the wild card game, no baseball in Chicago, and – uh both the White Sox and Cubs uh, start today. White Sox have actually a split-squad game to start, uh, two games to start the uh, the spring season here, one at uh, Camelback Ranch mm-hmm. against the Dodgers, and then they play uh, another squad, Oakland, in Mesa as well, in the debut uh, of... Uh, Inside the club. Jan- well, that's interesting. Yeah, I know. Jan Mankata as... Um, a third baseman today in Oakland. So that's going to be interesting to watch. The Cubs uh, playing at home today. Jen Ho-Sang is a starter for them. Donnie Roach for the Chicago White Sox at home against the Dodgers. So good things to talk about and lots of fun here in Arizona. So we can uh, share some things back at home.
0: Yoan Mancata at third base for the White Sox. Manny Machado yesterday introduced in San Diego and will play third base for the Padres. We have some sound of that we want to play and talk about the fallout that is this week for the White Sox. But Bruce, who do we thank for having us here every day? and Benny's
2: week? in Northbrook, your home for the best food in Chicagoland. The checklist, <laughs> here it goes. The best deli, yes. The best restaurant in Chicago, no doubt. The best bakery on the North Shore, indeed. Max and Benny's dinners from 4 to 9 p.m. feature full meals of roast beef, chicken, and the freshest whitefish and salmon in the city. Bakery goods to die for include sugar cookies, mandel bread, home-baked bagels, bialys, rye bread at maxandbennys.com. Private party room and business meeting area, 10 to 150 the catering is king at Max and Benny's. Ask John at MaxandBenny's.com. Thirty minutes from downtown. Thirty minutes from the Wisconsin border. Love you, some MaxandBenny's.com. Love you, some spring training baseball. Matt.
0: This um, later on in the show, Carlos Rodan is going to join us this hour. Lynn Casper will join us next hour. We're only here for 90 minutes. But Bruce, let's listen to a little bit of Manny Machado yesterday in San Diego as he talks about the fit with the Padres. Apparently, he's been thinking about it a long time, or so he says, or was it the last few weeks? Whatever. Here's Manny.
3: It's a hectic, you know, off season as well. But, you know, the last couple of weeks, um, you know, San Diego came, came in, wanted to meet, Matt like what AJ had to say. You know, I like the game plan, what, what, you know, what they brought to the table, from ownership to front office to coaching staff, you know, to the players. The whole Shabam was just so, so, so perfect. Made it a little easier to make the decision that, you know, they're confident in bringing me on board, helping me be a part of this team, help the younger guys. You know, one of the best farm systems in the game, the best. And, um, you know, just to come here as a as, you know, 26-year-old veteran to uh, – um, you know, just try to give my knowledge to these guys and, you know, hopefully get back to the playoffs of the city of uh, San Diego and, you know, bring, bring a championship. That's got a, it's got a
0: sting for White Sox fans to hear, Bruce, because that's what you wanted, a guy at 26 but comfortable being a veteran, talking about the farm system, talking about the big picture. He's going to play third base, happy to be the face of, of a franchise, and it is not yours.
2: You know, it's interesting, Matt, uh, when this process started in November for the free agents and Harper and Machado were certainly the the kings of uh, this offseason, I don't think the White Sox and I don't think the Padres were even a blip on the radar for Manny Machado and his agent. I don't think that uh, that was even close. From the very beginning, he had voiced his opinion that he wanted to be a New York Yankee. That was as early, Matt, as last summer mm-hmm. I was hearing – from friends and people that knew him that the Yankees were his target and that if it was close he was going there. So, you know, to hear him talk about either the Padres or the White Sox as the the one two and certainly that's how it finished, um, in glowing terms, I get it. Congratulations to him. He got his three hundred million dollars, but I'm not, I'm not chewing on a lot of the stuff that he threw our way.
0: Well, uh, he. this is what the market ended up being, is the White Sox and the White Sox hanging out there as the front runner for, what, a good month and a half, and Manny and Dan Lozano waiting for some team anywhere, somebody to step up and offer the 300, and, and the Padres did. Here's a little more Machado talking about um, some friends and family that the White Sox have, but he apparently spoke with about San Diego.
3: Awesome. It's one of the best, <laughs> best cities in the world. <laughs> it can't be better. I have my brother-in-law here. You know, my two best friends have, uh, you know, obviously played here in this organization. They talk very highly of it. They love it. And, uh, you know, made the decision a little easier.
0: Oh, boy. So yeah. That-
2: John Jay and um, Yonder Alonso. Yes. Uh, so they have, that's that's kind of hard to hear, isn't it? Yeah,
0: it is. They recommended San Diego. While, while wearing White Sox uniforms and answering the questions, they told him San Diego's lovely. And I, well, mean, I, and,
2: and I don't blame them for saying that. I mean, y- you know that they wanted to recruit him to come to uh, Chicago. Obviously, they wanted to play with him. But, you know, they were going to say the nice things about San Diego that they knew from their experience there. I, I don't blame them. Jay was there a long time. Uh, you know, Yonder was there as well. So it's a beautiful city. We all know it. And, you know, it's a place where – People want to be able to go to and live uh, the rest out rest of their lives. It's never been, Matt. Never been. Even in 1984, uh, maybe in the late 90s when they went to the World Series another time, it's never been a great baseball town. Never. Not even close. Well, um,
0: I, I think Manny, Manny Machado wanted $300 million, guaranteed. Right. And, and we knew that he wanted that four months ago. This it, is exactly what he wanted. And... The the White Sox got to 250 with their incentives uh, would have gotten them well above 300 I get that but that's incentives that's not a direct deposit that you know you can count on that is locked and loaded that that difference of fifty million dollars is massive to the player it's not as massive to the team it's ju- yeah. it just it, it isn't as massive to the team this is a brutal miss um, for the white sox when they knew exactly what he wanted and he ended up getting it I think they didn't think he yeah, was going I, to get it did they I don't,
2: I don't. I have a different perspective and certainly I respect yours Matt and uh, other people's out there but my perspective is that the player refused to bet on himself at age 33 and 34 okay so that's how I look at it because he could have earned up to 350 million 325 was a uh, pretty easy all he has to do is play and get 550 at bats at age 33 and 34 and he had 325 guaranteed another 25 was available in uh, bonuses as far as uh, all-star game appearances, other other attainable goals. But for me, you know, the perspective is 250 million is a lot of money. Okay, and if they knew that the 300 million was on the table, and and by the way, that excessive bidding only occurred over the last two or three days uh-huh. when San Diego came out. Um, I understand your perspective. I respect it, and. Uh, it's probably the majority opinion. Mine is at 33 and 34 where the player is supposed to be still very good. Right. Because he does have a five-year opt out at age 31 with San Diego. Yeah. Um, he should still be at the peak of his game.
0: I'm, I'm, I, you know, but you're, you've spent, all due respect, Bruce, you've spent the last four months understandably talking about how you can't bank on guys to be good at the end of that contract, how you can't do that. But, but this is the way the game is being played. This is the way the game is being played, is that this is what he wanted, and it ended up being offered. Um, I, I, I know what you're saying about everything happening late. Lawrence um, Holmes had Rick Hahn on on monday or excuse me on wednesday and he talked about monday and the conversations that they had with the agent here's just a little bit of Rick Hahn when asked did they know did they have a chance to match 300 million dollars
1: i don't think it would be fair to them to to, to say, hey, uh, you've got X, give us the opportunity to go to X plus one. Uh, but we did have a sense and we had very candid conversations about where he thought it was going and what it would, how we would go about trying to make him a White sock. This was the, the, the ultimate contract offer was based on those conversations about what the priorities were.
0: They knew what he wanted, Bruce. They knew he wanted $300 million. Everybody did for the past four months.
2: OK, but I mean, they got him a way to get past. Not only three hundred, but but exceed that, far exceed it, just by betting on himself. Right,
0: but why would you bother to bet on yourself when that extra fifty is there, guaranteed? Theoretical money and actual money are different things. Yeah,
2: so that comes back to prove the point that nobody really believes that ten-year contracts work.
0: Well, but the the Padres were willing to do it, right? Well, no, the Padres are were willing to do it. It, it, I know they're willing to, but I mean, is it? what was that really was
2: that really the right play
0: well you know I mean, the-
2: we're, we're going to have to wait 7 or 8 years to determine whether our conversation Which one of us is right? I
0: I don't agree. I don't agree you have to wait that long. You can call it waiting three years. Let's wait till the Padres farm system matures and Machado is there for the next three years, just as he would have been here, and if they're any good. By the time Manny would have been hitting those incentives or not, hopefully you've got a title or two, and you've got six or seven great years from Manny Machado. This is the cost of doing business.
2: You you realize that Fernando Tatis is the— they a number one prospect. I think he's number two yep. or three in the uh, rated by uh, um, MLB um, pipeline. Okay. Yep. So that if you
0: look at the perspective. That adds to the pain, though, doesn't it, when no, you've got no, the White Sox well, former I'm, prospect who I'm Manny was raving about yesterday and vice versa? Going,
2: yeah, sure it does. But okay. I'm going to a different place. Okay. So you realize that Tatis starts his major league career today or April the 15th this year. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That means that in six years, he'll be a free agent. That means that after that time, when they're in their second or third rebuild at that point, San Diego, they're still going to have four-year commitment to Manny Machado.
0: But the next five years, Bruce, uh, call it one year of bad Manny or or of of non-competitive Padres while Manny Machado's playing. After that— it's immediately a four to five year window with Machado at third and Tatis at short, and, and where you are going for it and trying to win, which is the goal. The Padres are accelerated their rebuild just as the White Sox were talking about wanting to accelerate their rebuild. Yeah,
2: but the, it's all in the player's hand, not in the team's. Well, and then from that perspective, you know, I, I understand uh, what what you're trying to accomplish here. I understand your perspective, but for me, I thought that uh, you know, the eight-year deal with no opt-out was a, a fair way of looking at it because you're, giving, you're making a big commitment to the player for, for eight years. Okay? I, th-
0: I think the White Sox wanted this on their terms to the point that uh, a team stepped up and offered Manny exactly what he wanted, 10 years, 300, with an opt-out after five. And if the White Sox had offered that, had gone to that point a month ago, I think he might be here. Don't you still think
2: it would have played out the same way? You think so? Yeah. Do you think he didn't
0: want to be here?
2: I I think he just wanted the most money. Well, that's all. But if they if they had offered the most money, what I'm saying is they. But I mean, they were still not going to sign right away.
0: But they drew their line in the sand. We're not going to go to 300. And Kenny Williams said said as much. We just we weren't going to do that. Well, they
2: have. That's actually not true. I mean, I'm not saying you're not telling the truth, but they they went far past 300. If if the commitment was right. Kenny was wrong. He, he, they were going at three twenty-five to three fifty.
0: No, but that's, the, that's it's theoretical money, though. It's theoretical money. No, but mo- it, it
2: could it could have been earned. Could have He said that they
0: that they weren't going there. Yeah, I, I think when you're offering eight years at an average annual value of thirty one point two five, I think it was, Which was a
2: higher AAV.
0: Part. Yes, but then to not include the last two years at an average annual value of twenty five when you're already doing the two fifty. Is it is, is an arbitrary, like prideful line in the sand that cost them this player?
2: I was told that uh, San Diego did not ask the White Sox for an opt out.
0: So, Manny did not ask the White Sox for an opt out. That's what I was told. Oh, that yeah. Manny did not. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I think so. I, it,
2: was, it was. It was. My point is. Yeah. It was two different deals that they were looking at.
0: Yeah. No, it, I, I understand, and I don't think the opt out was the biggest deal. I I, I I totally understand. I think it was three hundred mil guaranteed. But that—that's what he wanted.
2: Three hundred. Yeah. If he—if he stepped, and if he—he could step away after five years. It's great that—that's what he wanted. I, I don't think that, you know, from the perspective of uh, let's let's look at the next step. Bryce Harper probably wants three hundred and fifty million dollars, right?
0: He wants three twenty-six, I think, since Giancarlo Stanton got three twenty-five. Okay.
2: But he's—he's he's probably still asking for three fifty right now, mm-hmm. as it sits. And who, who is bidding on that besides Philadelphia, Philadelphia, and Philadelphia?
0: Yeah, but you're actually making a, a point that the big money teams were not out there to drive this to 320, to 340, to 350. The White Sox could have stepped up and said 300 and got him. The Padres did. The freaking Padres.
2: We, you know, th- that's what you, you say, Matt. Mm-hmm. I don't know that to be true. What, I don't the- know that he would, gone, he would have gone to 300 for any, with anybody. Maybe him and his wife decided that San Diego was actually the place they wanted to go. You know,
0: I, I think that is entirely possible, and that's, that's a, another kind of pain. Like, to me, Bruce, what ends up hurting here for Sox fans is that the, they wanted him. The White Sox legitimately wanted him, right? Ownership wanted him. Rick Hahn desperately wanted him. They used everybody in the organization for their recruitment. They signed Alonzo and Jay. They wanted him. They just they, they failed either because of ownership's refusal to add that extra 50 or, as you just said, the fact that they're simply not appetizing enough. And th- that's, that's a scary thought. Where would you rather play? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good and kind of sad point, I think, for White Sox fans, that you're, not, you're just not that unique. There's a lot of teams who are my, in rebuild mode with is, good farm systems. There are a lot point
2: of, is he took, he took what he said to be the most guaranteed money, and as we started our conversation, that was it. San Diego and yeah. Chicago were not on his radar. And now he's, he has to say that Padres were always pretty much, that was the place <laughs> we wanted to go.
0: Yeah, I know. And that, that sounded like a bunch of hokum yesterday. That's, that, that, that I absolutely agree with you on. He's like, he's spinning. Oh, no, this was always what I was thinking about. No, he was looking for 300 guaranteed so he could tell everybody he got it and know that it was coming. And the Padres stepped up and did it.
2: That's what you get on Inside the Clubhouse, two hosts that respectfully disagree on almost everything, right, Matt? <laughs> almost. <laughs> and and uh, we have a lot of fun doing it, and we want you to join us at 312-644-6767. Text Matt at six He'll read all that's worthy on the air. We're here with you till 1030 today, normally 2 hours 9 to 11 o'clock. We're expecting to talk to Carlos Rodon of the White Sox, also Len Casper, who will be joining Our guy Coombs and Zach Zaidman doing our first broadcast today at 155 of the Cub game from Mesa.
0: Yeah, it's a good baseball day, Bruce, as you say. So looking forward to talking to Casper later. Carlos Rodon coming off a really, really good year. And the White Sox could use uh, some good news and some good thoughts. Um, Before we go to break, this was the owner, Ron Fowler, taking a gratuitous shot yesterday. We got comfortable with uh, that we needed to solve a third base problem. And uh, the more we looked at it, the more we realized that for us, Machado was the right guy. And uh, uh, once A.J. started the process, uh, uh, winning it was a lot more fun than being a White Sox fan. So we're very, very happy as to where we ended up. That was unnecessary, don't you think, Bruce?
2: Yeah, that was a kick in the gut, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. I, I cleaned it up for you there. You see how I did <laughs> yeah,
0: that? I, I do. I appreciate it. He's Bruce Levine. I'm Matt Spiegel. Let's talk inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. He is Bruce Levine. I am Matt Spiegel. We'll talk to Carlos Rodan in a few minutes. As he has a new uh, rotation mate, Irvin Santana, for one year and $4.33 million. I like that pickup as a potential sign and flip, Bruce Levine. Yeah, if
2: he makes the team, he gets that money. Yeah. Uh, it's a minor league deal initially coming off of a uh, finger injury that limited him uh, to five games last year, Matt, after yeah. being one of the best pitchers in the American League the year before winning 16 ball games. So I, I agree with you. That's a that's a, a very stealth sign. I, I I like the idea of him and Nova being in that uh, rotation if if Santana is healthy, uh, being there to to catch those other starters as they fall and to watch some of the ascension of the Dylan Ceases Mm -hmm. and the Dane Dunnings as they come up in – 2019 for the White Sox.
0: Absolutely, um, and it's a finger injury, not an arm injury. So you got to figure if he is healthy. I mean, the year before, as you mentioned, sixteen and eight through 211 innings, a 3.28 ERA, made the All Star team, finished seventh in the Cy Young. So if he's rolling, by the time the deadline comes around, you could get something for him.
2: Yeah, and those are the type of veterans you need for for that situation, as well as. If you're a 70 to 75 game, win team, yeah, those are the flippable guys that continue to add to your rebuild.
0: This is Rodney on the south side on 670 the score. What's up, Rodney? Hey, how you doing, guys? We're good, Rodney. Hey, talk hey, to us. Yeah. Hold on one second. where's Ro- uh yeah no i I might I might have hit the wrong button on Rodney now I feel terrible. This is Roman in Glen Ellen on the score. Hello, Roman.
2: Hey, hey, Bruce. Um, does the fact that you work here and have to deal with the Sox, not just now but in the future, cloud your, your job? Working here has nothing to do position? with the White Sox. What what would working at the score have to do with the White Sox?
0: Well, you. It sounds like you work for them. I mean, you're defending. The, the fact is that they were short 50 million. You're saying yeah, but it was a good. Day. I mean, you have Roman. Let me ask you
2: a question. How many 10 year deals have worked out?
0: It doesn't matter.
2: Well, not to you. You don't have to pay it.
0: Exactly. But, I, right. uh, but, but, the, but the fact is we
2: needed this guy. He's 26. It's a great opportunity, and he needed 300 Now, if they had offered the same amount, and he went to San Diego, I'd have been fine with that. But the fact is that they didn't. I mean, and you're defending that. It's, it's, it makes no sense. Well, I appreciate your opinion. I just uh, met 10-year deals. The White Sox were trying to, to guarantee themselves not paying like the Angels have to pay for pool holes right now, mm-hmm. like the Tigers have to pay for Cabrera. The idea that you you get your seven or eight years out of the guy, and then he's not somebody that's a team and organization changer where you're watching him play on one leg or no lower half in the case of Cabrera and one leg for pool holes. And the, 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 the sad reality of these – Wonderful players, future Hall of Famers still dragging themselves around for another four or five years on both guys and also changing the tenor of what the organizations can do as they try to Negotiate around those contracts.
0: Neither of those guys were 26 when they signed, and Machado plays third base as he will, and is really, really good at it.
2: Those guys were really good when they signed. uh, I know they were good at 26 too. Yeah,
0: at 26 they were, but they didn't sign their deals at 26. They, you were going to have to accept some possibility for bad money on the back end, Bruce. Are
2: you going to expect that the last two or three years of the Machado deal are not going to be good?
0: I'm going to pay for the first seven to eight years of the Machado deal.
2: And I understand it. And San Diego decided to do it. There were 29 other teams that decided not to.
0: I know. But the, the market conditions were perfect for the White Sox to get in there and offer the most money. And I think they had to offer the most money or at least tie for the most money to get him. And, and they didn't quite get there. They didn't, they didn't offer it. And that's what he wanted. I think Wade knew for four months that's what he wanted. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Been to a Chicago Wolves game this season. The Wolves host divisional games tonight and tomorrow, as well as Rockford next Tuesday. Be there as the conference's highest-scoring offense battles for the Central Division lead. Visit chicagowolves.com. In my mind, kind of like what happens in the Machado deal doesn't matter as much as, as the fact that they wanted him. They did. Every bit of the org wanted him, and they didn't get him.
2: Yeah, I think, the, I think the Yankees wanted them. I think that there were two or three other teams that wanted them, but they wanted them at what they wanted to pay. Yeah. I, well, a lot so of people— why, why, didn't, why didn't the Yankees bid them up?
0: Well, they have a lot of other pieces, but they decided not to go there, and they weren't alone. You're right. It just yeah. takes one crazy owner and GM, and A.J. Thank Preller you. is a madman. Thank you it just takes nice. one crazy team. But you got to know. you got to know if that team's out there, then you got to match him. This is Mike in Northbrook on 670 <laughs> The Score. Hello, Mike. I'm so thrilled. I I, I knew we weren't going to get this guy, and I don't really like the guy. He's a
1: great player, but I'm going to tell you right now, the guy is a bit of a punk, and I don't want to get into that. I want to talk about the White Sox and what they got going on right now because there's a lot to get excited about this team. And let me tell you, how come we don't hear anything about the center fielder that they got, Jay, who's a two eighty five lifetime hitter? That's pretty good, isn't it? He has a three thirty three on on-base percentage. That's pretty good, but we don't hear anything. Yonder Alonso has pretty good
0: power stats the last few years. I remember him with Cleveland. I didn't want to see him coming up against the Sox. He's a good hitter. I like both of those guys. Uh, John Jay is a nice complimentary outfield piece. We just saw the best that he can be with the Cubs. He was terrific with the Cubs, but he is just a small little complimentary piece. Um, yeah, Yonder I mean, Alonzo can have a lot of power, but I mean hmm. those guys are going to help you win a game or two more this they year. Are, That's not the goal.
2: They are great clubhouse people who are seasoned pros sure. and should help you win as your young guys come along uh they're gonna make the team better uh you know jay can do uh he can play all three outfield posts he can lead off as he did 51 times for the 2017 chicago cubs and he's known as one of the great clubhouse guys in the game period Ask any of the Cubs, they'll tell you that.
0: I think that, you know, just like the Nationals got Jason Worth, just like the Padres now got Machado, like the Cubs got John Lester a year before they were theoretically ready, White Sox fans were ready for the Sox to get Machado now, and they were told that the yeah, Sox Machado were going hard. it
2: 's is not anything like those guys as far as a leader, a clubhouse guy. What he is, he's a, he's a great hitter. He's an outstanding and maybe one of the best third basemen now that he's accepted to go mm-hmm. back and play third base because he was a mediocre shortstop. He's n- nobody's leader. He's not the favorite of any teammates that he ever played with. And he's a, and let's be honest about it. He's a dirty player.
0: Well, you know all those things being possibly true. No, it all I mean sa- they are true. Okay, but it all sounds like sour grapes now that you missed because you wanted. They wanted, they wanted him. They wanted him.
2: I didn't miss anything. But, Matt. I mean, I'm what, just telling you. I know. I'm just telling you the perspective of what's out there and the guy. He's, he's a really outstanding baseball player. No leadership ability, okay, which is fine. Uh, Maybe you don't get any leadership for $300 million these days.
0: Well, okay? Sox, Sox fans can, can put some solace in that or let themselves feel that if it takes the sting away just a little bit. But right. they I wanted mean, again, him.
2: Again, he was another piece that was going to take them to 2021 and beyond. And I understand it was a miss. I don't disagree with that. But as far as being a fatal blow to the White Sox organization, I don't see it.
0: No, not, I would never say fatal blow. I think fatal blow to some fans' feelings. That's what I've sensed this week, which has been somewhat of a surprise, frankly. But uh, we've talked about the whys. Um, let's move forward and talk to Carlos Rodon about the Sox this year and beyond. Right, Bruce?
2: Absolutely, man. It's
0: 670, the score is where you are. It's inside the clubhouse. Matt Spiegel, Bruce Levine. Rodon is next. It is the score. Carlos Rodon has some meetings with the pitchers and the pitching coaches. so should we have them soon. Oh, that would be good if we do have them soon. That will be great. Uh, White yeah. Sox. It's inside the clubhouse, by the way, on 670, the score. The White Sox and Dodgers playing at Camelback today, Bruce. Um, I'm looking at the lineup card, and I see a couple things. Eloy Jimenez hitting cleanup today for the White Sox. Um, and for the Dodgers... Jock Peterson will play left and hit leadoff, and Alex Verdugo will play center and bat seventh. And those are the guys battling. I think the Dodgers want Verdugo to be there and have a place to play. Might they still trade Jock Peterson, and are the White Sox still involved?
2: Yes, indeed, and most likely yes, Okay, is my answer to that. Uh, The White Sox were in trade talks with the Dodgers about Peterson, um, and then the Dodgers had some concerns about the health of their outfielders. Mm-hmm. With that in mind, they took those talks off the table, but they said they would revisit. And uh, that might be the case here, as he may be uh, showcased here today for other teams. It's certainly not just the White Sox. Other other teams and the White Sox. And the White Sox really do need, Matt, a veteran outfielder to go along with what they have. They have, uh, you know, they, they certainly do have a, a veteran outfielder, but they need another one. Okay. Okay. Um, John Jay's nice complimentary player, as you said, uh, he's a singles hitter. They could they could use somebody that can hit the ball out of the ballpark. How about Bryce plus, Harper? What
0: do you what do you think of Bryce Harper as a concept?
2: Okay, okay, but you know what? If he's got to be able to take a creative deal.
0: What, what Bryce Harper, what What is what's with what, yeah, the I know. What's the latest? What's the latest that that you've heard on Harper? Because uh, John Middleton, the Phillies owner, at least the guy who speaks loudest as of the Phillies ownership group, is in Las Vegas today to go he's in and,
2: a and Venus Flytrap. Now, yeah, I mean, he's trying that's, to that's woo Bryce,
0: trying to woo Bryce Harper. Bryce doesn't want to go there, right? But he that's has, the only team that's really giving him sure. what he wants.
2: Harper and Boros have three meetings today. Hmm. With John Middleton at one, John Middleton at three, and John Middleton <laughs> at six. <laughs> this is how it went. This is how it went for Boris and Al- and and Alex Rodriguez in two thousand, when they had Texas owner Tom Hicks uh, bidding up a contract to two hundred fifty-two million dollars. It started at one hundred and ninety for ten years for Alex Rodriguez, and uh, you know Hicks eventually uh, out of the business. Uh, Little overmatched, and that's uh, you know when you're playing in Boris's uh, situation, and Philadelphia trapped themselves by Middleton saying about money. how they were going to get somebody like that. Obviously, uh, one of the two guys, the general manager said we dis- will be disappointed if we don't get one of the two. Well, one's gone, and the other one's out there, and it's probably three hundred and twenty million right now and Boris probably trying to get it to 350. He's
0: he he's got John Middleton negotiating against himself, just like Tom Hicks did, uh, as you mentioned. Cole Hamels with some good words for John Middleton. He smiled and laughed and said he loves that guy, uh, which is rare that a player will say that about an owner who he uh, used to play with, but uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Interesting under-the-radar signing, I thought, well, maybe not under the radar because there haven't been that many signings, but Marwin Gonzalez, the utility man who can really hit and plays everywhere other than pitcher and catcher, goes to the Twins. Two years, $21 million. Um, a great deal. Oh, my goodness, is that a great deal? And the Twins have taken advantage of a stagnated market by signing four position players, Nelson Cruz, C.J. Crone. Um, Marwin Gonzalez and uh, Jonathan Scope so uh, boy the Twins are are elevating themselves to second place in that division at the very least don't you think?
2: Yeah uh, well you know who else would be? Yeah there's nobody place? there there's I mean, nobody the White there. Sox if everything breaks great for them I think most people are predicting what would you say 72 to 75 wins?
0: Yeah something like that I could I check mean, out that, the numbers. I that
2: would be probably optimum you know but again when you're playing that division Matt you have a lot of guaranteed wins if you're the Cleveland Indians. It appears. Uh, Twins are a decent team, not a great team. Mm. They they have a lot of wins. I think that the White Sox do get uh, some really good pitching to start the season. They could surprise. They could be a 75 win team. I I don't think I don't think anybody would have the wherewithal to make a uh, definitive call on them going 80 over 80 wins this year. That would be. You know, such a huge jump from 62 last year.
0: We'll, we'll get to some kind of actual predictions later on in, in the spring here, Bruce. But as I look around the American League, I think you have uh, 11 teams um, battling for one spot. Because the other four, the Red Sox, Yankees, um, Indians, um, and Astros, i just I can't imagine any of those not making the playoffs.
2: No, you're right. I mean, uh, that's the sad part about uh, what the American League has turned into with so many teams in the rebuild mode. Uh, it's just uh, it's it's too predictable. Last year, you could predict who was going to win by June 1st, right? I mean, you pretty much knew that. Uh, th- other than Seattle not making it and winning 89 games, and now jumping back into the mix of a rebuild again. Mm. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a rough time to be a baseball fan in the American league because, uh, most, most of the things are predictable as far as finishes go.
0: Yeah. It's a, you know, you've got last year, it was the A's who who jumped up in there and, and got, got relevant. But this year, is it, is it the angels? Is it the rays who, uh, played better and actually were in that race for that last wild card last year as well? 90 games. Not
2: people know it, but, uh. They certainly uh, they certainly changed some things around. us, certainly certainly starting with the opener uh, being a part of their format. We'll see if that happens again or not. Uh, it's just uh, the, the, the teams that are rebuilding. You know, there there has to be a new way of uh, configuring. Uh, how to rebuild a team without dumping out, because it's really impacting Major League Baseball.
0: It was really fun to watch this guy pitch for the bulk of last season once he came back, and Carlos Rodon, um, certainly in line to be considered for an opening day start, but that's way down the road. It's the spring, but we appreciate the time for Carlos Rodon of the White Sox who joins us right now and Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Carlos.
2: morning, Carlos. Good morning, guys. Yeah, thanks for taking some time out. First, uh, Carlos, you're... Your thought, and maybe some of the some of the things you caught from your teammates about the the Manny Manny Machado situation, how the how the White Sox uh, were in it, and uh, you know, last minute he takes San Diego. What what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, it sounds like we made a you know nice push on a, on Manny, which would have been a real nice acquisition for us that on the infield and definitely in the batting order. But um but you know, I've said it before. And, asked this question a couple of times this week, but those guys that make it free agency and play those years to to get there and you know take a game on themselves they they earn the right to to pick and choose where they want to go whether it's you know for less money or you know whatever whatever it takes for them to make that decision that's that's up to them and you know as long as we made a run at it and gave it our best shot that's all we can do as a as a team and as a whole unit.
0: You know, it's it's kind of unfortunate because it's cast a little bit. It's obviously it's cast a negative in terms of the White Sox and the and the arc. But really, this is a good moment in the rebuild. Overall, this is this is a moment where. You know, Elio Jimenez is going to start to show up. Some young pitchers are going to start to show up. This is this is an opportunity for you guys to start maybe winning a few more ball games and certainly feeling better about the direction of the ball club this
1: spring. For sure, for sure. I mean, in, in the, something you know like this that happens, and unfortunately, inside of man, you gotta in this game you gotta have a pretty short memory. And that's it's something that's already passed, and I think we're focused on you know our outlook and in spring training and what we're going to do to get ready for the season. So. You know that's in the past behind us, and we're worried about today. I so, you know it's so cliche, but honestly, it's it's the truth.
2: Your agent, uh, Scott Boros, has uh, Bryce Harper out there, and it's a, it's an intriguing off season to watch this. Uh, from from the perspective of knowing Scott, uh, what what makes him different? I mean, I know you didn't try out three or four different agents, but a lot of agencies tried to yeah. tried to get um, you. But what what separates him in your mind?
1: Yeah, you know Scott and I are, have a good relationship, but you know he's kind of he, he's he's pretty similar to me as far as you know his attitude's pretty a, a bulldog attitude that he's going to fight for his his player and who he represents. Um, and that's what you want. And that's and that's what I look for in, a, in an agent, and that's what Bryce Harper has. So I mean that's that's the guy I want in my corner.
0: Carlos, um, the change-up, which has obviously been a work in progress for a long time, up to your highest percentage of using it last year. And uh, I'm wondering what the role of the change-up was for you during that July and August when you were just phenomenal. Uh, by, yeah. Uh, 1.84 ERA. What was the change-up doing in that time?
1: Change-up was good. It finally showed up after you know,
0: four, four to six years of development. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: No, it was a it was an early outs pitch, kind of early in the count, one one, you know, one zero, something to drop in there. But <clears throat> it was a it was a pitch that got me early contacts or got me a ground ball when I needed it. So it, it was a it was it wasn't a stressful pitch. It was easy to throw, um, something I can go to and rely on. I had it, you know, and right now I have it. Anytime I wanted, I could throw it, whatever so it's 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 a good one to have in the back pocket.
0: That that early early contact and an early out that helps you then go deeper into a game. And, oh yeah, right? saves
1: pitches, man, saves your arm, saves pitches, saves bullpen. I mean, it just it helps throughout the whole season.
2: What's uh what's spring training been like for you and your teammates? Uh, looks like the team has added uh Irvin Santana. Uh, as a possible another starting pitcher to the mix, which would be exciting if he's anywhere close to being the Irvin another Santana from a couple by, years ago.
1: Yeah, you know, front office there cited of Irvin. Uh, what was it yesterday? Um, so that'll be fun. Another veteran guy, was an ace, or probably still could be if he wanted to. I mean, good arm and a guy with great experience that's going to help this club.
2: How about yourself as far as uh, what what your goals are this spring? I, I know. 32 is probably the number that you think the most about, and that is uh, starts of the season.
1: It would be nice to make every one of those starts. Um, This spring, man, just trying to get ready for opening day or whatever day I'm slotted for. Uh, Stay healthy and and just refine my craft to, to be ready for the season.
0: Carlos Radon used one of my favorite um, terms of, of of speech on a podcast the other day, Bruce. He was t- talking about how you know at a certain point a team has to make a turn and start to play well, and you have to either bleep or get off the pot. Um, yeah. Oh God, I love that. So you and you're not getting off the pot, are
1: you? Yeah, I'm ready to go, man. I mean, we I'm, I'm, I'm fifth season here with the Sox, and you know it's been it's been up and down. We've had some. Some looks in '16, we had that good run to start the year with 30 and something, and I don't know, it was a 30 and 12, or uh, I can't remember the record. Um, and it looked like we were gonna make a run at it, but you know, it turned it turned for the worse. And it was definitely a learning experience. And the past few years, I've been hurt, and we've been trying to rebuild. And I think uh the us being underdogs, it'd be it'd be a phenomenal year if we. A winning record, or you know, made a made a little run in this division. That'd be it'd be something that would definitely help the resume and help us in the long run.
2: In closing, with you, Carlos and Matt, and I really appreciate your time. We know you got to get to meeting at nine o'clock here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if when uh, when we ask people about leadership in the clubhouse, what, what do you, what do players really think of where leadership comes from, and and who is, who in your opinion are, are, are the guys evolving in your clubhouse as young leaders?
1: You know we have, we have we have quite a few. We got Tim and Yomer who, who are big, big position player, uh, position player leaders. And as far as in our you know rotation, Nova's going to be definitely a guy that we can all um, learn from. Who's been has been through it and played with some great. So um, as far as leading, uh, I've said this before. I'm a kind of, I'm kind of a guy that leads by example, not very vocal. Um, and we have our vocal leaders, but I think. I think the best way to show a young guy how to go about their business is about, you know, doing it the right way yourself. So that's the way I go about it.
0: Carlos, uh, every fifth day showing up and uh, going deep, accepting some of those early outs, keeping bullets in the gun for the end of the year, uh, that that would be a way to show it. Good luck this season, all right? Thank
2: you, guys. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for Carlos. You got Appreciate it. it.
0: That's Carlos Redon of the White Sox.
2: You know what, Matt? Uh, good stuff that you brought up about the change because that has been – the the difference maker for him, and it's and it's going to make him a much better pitcher, and the wipeout slider is going to have even more impact as he continues to refine that pitch. It's a
0: maturation process for so many of these guys, Bruce, when they have the good stuff and they could strike somebody out if they want to hang out there and throw eight or nine pitches, but you don't have to be that good every single time.
2: Yeah, you know, these guys come out of college like him in a, a high-profile program, number one uh, pitcher until he got hurt, drafted four by the White Sox, but they come out and they think they can go to the major leagues and strike everybody out, and that's the game. And all of a sudden, uh, by the fourth or fifth inning, they're at a hundred pitches in the major leagues, and they they can't even come close to getting a uh, a win, let alone uh, get enough innings in. So, a- as you said, Matt, they learn how to pitch, and the the uh, the number is three. That's how they want to get people out: three pitches, get them out, and get going, get your six innings in.
0: The Cubs are on the radio today against the Brewers right here on The Score at 155 Central Time. We'll talk to Len Casper later. I love that song they play before the game starts, Bruce. It's just, I don't know, I don't know what it is about it. I just really like it. But um, Jason Hayward was on the station yesterday. I um, want to hear some of that. And, and you've got some news and some thoughts on, uh, on something MLB is doing all around spring. Absolutely. Right now. We'll come back and do that. He's Bruce Levine. I'm Matt Spiegel. It's Inside the Clubhouse on The Score.